0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, From Him, Through Us, For All, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. Well, good morning. Good morning. It is great to worship with you, whether you're here in person, watching online. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us today. Now, I want to begin by taking you back a few years. I'm going to go back, I don't know, a handful of years, maybe five, ten years. ten I'm at a family gathering, and uh, that's when I saw one of those t-shirts. You know the t-shirts I'm talking about? Those t-shirts that have that kind of funny, clever, sort of sarcastic kind of statement on the front of a shirt. You guys know what I'm talking about? If you don't, let me give you a few of those. I'm silently collect, correcting your grammar. That'd be one of them. Another one would say, I belong at the kids' table. This one is my personal favorite. And yet, despite the look on my face, you're still talking. <laughs> <laughs> but the shirt that I'm referring to was different than all of those. It was close, but it was different. It was in the the same vein, but it was different because it had this kind of air of confidence. It read simply, relax. I'm a professional. That's all it said. I don't know what he was professional in, but whatever it is, we can all relax because he's got it covered. He is the man on the scene, and he's a professional. Now, here's why that's interesting. Because oftentimes when it comes to matters of faith, when it comes to matters of ministry in the context of the church, we take that posture. We'll let the professionals handle it. There's one kind of large problem with that, though. That's not what Ministry is designed for. It is not just for pastors and missionaries. That's not what it speaks of in the Scriptures. Many times you guys have heard me stand on this stage and proclaim to you that my role as a pastor is to equip you, the saints, for the work of ministry. That's not just an idea I came up with. That is rooted in the Scriptures. That is rooted in the letters of the Apostle Paul, specifically Ephesians. And so the work of ministry, caring, leading, serving, giving, those things are done by all of God's people, by all of God's people. So this morning, we're going to be looking at a a portion of God's Word that explains this with a little more depth. With each of us as Christ followers today, we can engage with this idea of ministry. But I want you to know that the details of that just might be a little different than what you've heard before. We're going to turn to there in a moment, but first, let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, you have invited us to meet with you today to worship you. And so, God, we quiet our hearts in this moment as we've proclaimed your goodness, your grace. And right now, God, we invite your Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts and our minds as we open your word. God, this is a church that stands on the truth of your word. We declare that it is truth and it has everything we need to live lives of holiness. So God, speak to us today through the power of your word. Give us eyes to see its truth today. Give us ears to hear this truth. Give us courage to walk out this truth in our lives. God, we can't do it alone. We need you to work in our hearts through the power of your spirit, so we invite you to do that today. And we ask this humbly In the name of our Lord, Jesus. Amen. Well, church family, it is week four of our sermon series called Overflow. And I hope that you are remembering the pathway of blessing. It is the subtitle for our sermon series, and it is what we have talked about week after week. What begins with God is given to God's people, and it is done so for the blessing of all. That's the pathway of blessing. Now, God's chosen people were called to be a blessing. Again, that is not something that I came up with that is rooted in the truth of the Old Testament Scriptures. It's actually a covenant promise that God made with His people. And this is a theme that is carried out not only in the Old Testament, but it also carries through to the New Testament. It actually has practical implications for you and for me today as we journey in faith. It matters. It's not just something we read one time and we can move beyond it. It matters to us today. Now, to see what these implications are, we're going to be returning to Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to be turning there in just a moment. And as you're grabbing your text, I want to remind you that Paul was the man who established this Corinthian church, this group of believers that he is, he is communicating with. And over the past few weeks, we've been working through chapters 8, and this week we move into chapter 9. And as we've been doing that, we've seen that Paul is encouraging the believers in Corinth on the motivation for generosity. He's established that early. And of course, we know that that is the gospel. That's the good news of Christ and Him crucified. And then we've seen Paul encourage them to move from kind of being ready to give into the practice of giving, to actually doing it. And then last week we looked at the idea of the importance of partnerships in the gospel. So very significant. and So now, today, we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, you're going to find that on page 968 if you are reading along in your ESV Bible. If you are following along on a mobile device, we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to start it right at the beginning with verse 1. So let's turn there together and hear what Paul has for us today. Now, it is surproof. I practiced that all week. (laughs) Now it is superfluous. Thank you. For me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has been stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be, so that you, excuse me, otherwise, if the same Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift that you've promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one, must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. You see, chapter 9 finds Paul continuing his efforts to facilitate that financial support for the church in Jerusalem. He knows there are needs, and he wants to fulfill those needs. But as he does, Paul wants the Corinthian believers And all of us who are reading and engaging with this text some years later to recognize that when we do, we are entering into gospel ministry. We are participating in ministry. Now Paul's Seen it happen with the believers in Macedonia, and he's now challenging the Corinthians to join in the work. He says, I want you to participate. So let's look a little bit deeper at verses 1 and 2 to see exactly what I mean. And there is that word again. Now, it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Paul says it is superfluous. It is redundant to write about joining the ministry. But he does it anyway. He says it's redundant because I addressed this earlier to you in my letter. He knows of their readiness, but he continues to call them to make a move. He continues to call them to have this heart that is ready to give. He's calling them beyond readiness. And Paul wants the Corinthians and all believers to understand that our first response, if we are to be truly generous, we must commit to give. You and I are called to commit to give. That's the role of God's people. Now let's be real for a moment. Let's be real and honest for a moment. We all have good intentions, don't we? I mean, most of us have really good intentions. We intend to grow spiritually We intend to serve here at the church. I hear that there's a lot of needs. I I think someday I'm going to serve. I intend to do that. And one day, one day I intend to start giving. But intentions are not always reality. Our daily lives get filled up with things filled up with the stuff of life. There's the kids' sports schedule. There's house projects. There's that thing at work that keeps us late. There's the whole idea of getting the car fixed and taking care of the situation with the neighbors. There's all kinds of stuff that continues to come up day after day, week after week. And I've not even talked about the importance of something as simple as financial planning. All that stuff piles on and we get distracted. Our personal concerns become what we focus on. Instead of recognizing that the gospel calls us to look outward beyond our own concerns, that's exactly what Paul is challenging the Corinthians not to do. He's saying, don't get distracted. Don't focus on all of the stuff that's right here. Don't get distracted. Keep your head in the game. Engage with eternal things. And practically speaking, I want you to know that this very, this very scenario is why Bonnie and I choose to give online. I know many of you do the same. Our former senior pastor, Doug Schmidt, used to refer to this as automatic faithfulness. <laughs> And that's frankly what it is for us. You know, we have a lot of things happening on Sunday mornings and we just found that it was helpful for us to have that taken care of. That we set that aside and we give each month online because it's faithful, it's consistent. It takes away all the distractions that can come. Now for those of you who do give online, I want to take you back to when we would actually pass the plate. I had a conversation with a a few folks who would say, you know what, I always feel uncomfortable when I'm sitting here and they pass the basket. Like it's that moment when you think like every eye in the church is looking right at you because you didn't give. It's when we need one of those shirts. Don't judge, gave online. <laughs> you see, however we choose... To give our finances, whether it's online or in the little black boxes as you leave. It is the commitment to do so that matters. It's the faithful, consistent giving that matters. Because what we're practicing is generosity in action. Generosity in action. Now let's go back to our text. Let's pick it up at verses 3 and 4. Here's what Paul writes. But I am sending the brothers, so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So Paul has just reassured the Corinthians of his confidence in them. And he's not needing to write about the collection, and yet he's writing about the collection. Why would he do that? Because Paul has a plan in place. It's an elaborate plan. There can be no delays. He doesn't want to have any situation arise in this moment. We've been reading and examining the story in each segment, each of the past few weeks, and you've heard us say similar things each week. But what happens when we step back for just a moment and we see the elaborate plan that Paul has. He has the Macedonian churches collecting an offering. They're now sending men to join with Paul as they would eventually take that money to Jerusalem where there are needs. And these representatives would then travel to Corinth to join and collect other uh, f- collect those resources and also collect some some men. Now before Paul and the Macedonians arrive, and I want to assure you, Paul and the Macedonians, it's not a pop band from the 80s. The apostle sends brothers to Corinth to ensure the readiness of the gift. He says, I want you guys to go before me because I don't want this thing to come undone. Here's what he's trying to avoid. He's trying to avoid a ragged group of Macedonians who, remember, have very little He doesn't want them showing up in Corinth only to find the wealthy Corinthians unprepared. He doesn't want them showing up and having them look foolish because those with little are ready to give and those with much are unprepared. He does not want that to happen, so he sends the brothers ahead to make sure that they are prepared. And this gives us our second application today. That Paul wants the Corinthians, and he wants you and me, all believers, to understand that to be truly generous, we need to prepare to give. We need to be prepared to give. Our situation certainly isn't in the first century Corinth, but the truth that Paul is highlighting here has direct implications for you and for me right here today. The fact of the matter is, we do the things that we prepare for. If I were to look into your life and journey with you for a week, I would look and I would say, Hey, he is faithful at working out. And then I'd dig a little deeper and I'd see he actually had a plan to do that. I would see that you're faithful in your desire to lose weight. Why? Because there is a plan that you have put in place to practice that. You're faithful in achieving your your academic goals. That's why they hand out a syllabus. Because it is a plan. It is a learning strategy. I could go on and on and on about realities in our lives that are plans that we put in place to accomplish a goal happens all the time, and sometimes it doesn't. That's why Benjamin Franklin famously said, by failing to prepare, we are preparing to fail. Now, Benjamin was a sharp guy, but he's actually speaking the words of the Apostle Paul in many ways because Paul is emphasizing preparedness for the believer, and he did so long before. Now, you and I know that these things are true when it comes to our daily jobs, our family lives. When we fail to prepare, we struggle. But that's also true in our spiritual lives. When we don't have a plan, whether it's a reading plan, when we don't have a strategy to pray, those are the things that get left on the side. That's true for giving too, when it pertains to our money. So, believer, let me ask you are you prepared to give? Or perhaps another question might be this what are you prepared to give? May I encourage you and your spouse to sit down and maybe with your family, sit around around the table and spend some time praying together this week. If you don't already have a plan in place, come together as a family and say, what are we going to do to advance the gospel? What will that look like in our family, with our time, with our talents, with our resources, what are we prepared to give? But then don't just talk about it. Develop a strategy. Move from just being ready to give, committing to give, to actually putting it in place Now, for those of you who have already done this, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. And may I humbly ask that you would continue in that path. For those of you who have not, maybe this week. Maybe this week is the week that you prepare to give. Now, let's look at the last part of our text today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 5 through 7. Paul writes, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead and arrange in advance for the gift that you've promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God. God loves a cheerful giver. In these words, the Apostle has provided the Corinthians with a vision for giving. It is one that comes from a willing and generous heart. One that finds joy in giving. And that is our third point this morning. That in order to be truly generous, God's people must cheerfully give. You and I are called to cheerfully give because when we do, we model the love of Christ. It's intriguing to me as we look at Paul's words there. He has this kind of proverbial saying, this proverb-like phrase that he has. He says, the less you sow, the less you reap. He says, the more you sow, the more you'll reap. This is an encouragement for cheerful giving. Paul wants us to have this cheerful, joyful giving from a heart that has been transformed by the truth and the reality of the gospel. That's the foundation. That's where it overflows from. Now, conversely, after that that proverb-like phrase, Paul says something else. He doesn't want it to be done out of reluctancy or out of compulsion. Why? Why? Because that outcome does not express the beauty of God's grace in our lives. It doesn't express the beauty of the grace that we have received in Christ. And that, friends, is the point. We give cheerfully because what first Christ gave to us. We can give cheerfully. Because Jesus took on our sin and took on our shame and he did so on the cross. He did so to pay the penalty that you and I could never pay. And it's his sacrifice that sets us free. That sets us free. For those who repent of sin and believe in Jesus, we are set free from sin and death and we have new life. And it's from that life that there's an overflow. Voluntarily, you see that in chapter 8, verse 3. There's an overflow to give freely. That's here in verse 5. To give generously, again, in chapter 9. Those things overflow from a joy-filled believer. This is why Scottish preacher Oswald Chambers writes these powerful words. He says, it's not how much we give... But what we do not give, that's the test of our Christianity. So believer, what are you offering today? Or maybe as Chambers challenges us, what are you not giving today? Is your giving, does that match your gratitude Does your generosity match your joy? It should. You see, we give because God first gave to us. We are generous because God, in His great mercy, has been generous with us. This is why giving is so much more than simply money, it's ministry. It's ministry. And it is to be practiced by all of God's people, not just the professionals. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org to introduce yourself today.